0: Alrighty, what is up everybody? Welcome back to the Wayfarers Christian Church Deep Dive Podcast. My name is Nick Griffin, I'm the lead pastor here at Wayfarers, and I'm joined today, as always, off to my right by our Connections pastor, Jacob Dooley. Hey, everybody. I'm also joined by everybody's fan favorite, the one person at the table who's not have a title of pastor. (laughs) (laughs) Ashley Wakefield. Hello. The fan favorite pastor. Yay! Okay, yeah. (laughs) And our teaching pastor, who you just heard, sitting off to my left, Noah Randolph. Mm. Hey! If this is your first time tuning into this podcast, I think uh, the way I'm going to start describing this podcast is just it's our opportunity to take deep dives on whatever we want to. (laughs) (laughs) And we have done different topics at different points of time. We've talked about our sermons. We've talked about... um, the backstories of some of our church members. And here recently, we have been going through all of the core values of our church, the things that are the most important to us and central to our congregation. Those core values, if you put them all next to each other, take the first letter of each one, spell out Christ, because we are following in the way of Jesus. All of these are informed by Jesus. Uh, So far, we have hit uh, care, humility, Ritual, invitation, and sanctity. You got them all. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we are on the very last one today. Uh, in a lot of ways, this could be the most important one. So we saved the best for last in some ways. And we are the T in Christ here, which is trust. <laughs> when we were preparing for what we wanted to talk about in this podcast, I talked about how this is one where, I don't know, I feel like I've said this with all of them, but especially with this one, I feel like I could talk for like 14 hours right now, no preparation on this (laughs) core value alone. So it's going to be impossible for us to hit everything that is important to us about this core value as a church. Um, You're just going to have to come and hear sermons and some of our other podcasts to get all of the nuances as to why trust is so important to us.
1: And there is a huge back catalog of uh, deep dives where we do kind of We've touched on on some of them. Yeah.
0: Yep. So we'll reference a few of those here and there. Um, But yeah, just go back and look at our other podcasts and you might be able to see some of the topics we've covered similar to this one. But as always, what we've been starting is we've been reading two different verses that we have connected with each of these core values. Um, uh, And we have uh, a little written description that kind of expounds and defines a little bit about what we mean by this core value. So, Ashley, can you read Hebrews 11, 1 for us? And Jacob, I'm going to have you read John 3, 16. And, go ahead. It says. Yeah. and go ahead and take that. Uh, after you read yours, Jacob, you can just go straight into the definition as well. I was going to ask if Noah wanted to read the definition this week. Uh, Change things up a little bit. We can do that.
1: Nick doesn't want me to read it.
0: <laughs> I like Jacob's reading voice. He has that deep, low r- radio voice. But Noah does too, so I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> Ashley said one week that my voice sounds like the voice of God. So there. Yeah. I did say that.
2: I remember.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm just the one with the shrill high pitch. <laughs> uh,
2: Takes all kinds of voices to make it work. <laughs>
0: I'm the one that gets uh, people answer the f- when I would answer the phone a lot. People would be like, uh, "Yes, ma'am. How are you doing today?" <laughs> 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 and I would, <laughs> I wouldn't want to correct them because I'm non-confrontational like that. So I would just. Uh, correct like uh, like overcorrect by like making my voice like super low and i would be like <laughs> yeah just to try to make him feel bad for
2: <laughs> like ma'am i need gender. you to calm down can you get your husband on the phone please <laughs>
0: <laughs> so ashley you can read that first one for us jake will read the second one and noah will read the definition for us
2: yes so this is the esv um it says now faith is the assurance of things hoped for the conviction of things not seen
3: i am also reading the esv Uh, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not
1: perish, but have eternal life. Hmm. Uh, And the description that we gave for this um, core value is, in this verse, the word believes, this verse referencing John 3.16, sorry guys, uh, in this verse, the word believes here is pistis, which is a word that has many meanings, ranging from faith, belief, trust and allegiance we chose trust to represent this idea because it is both relational and requires action this is a requirement for all followers of the way to trust in Jesus our mission is to develop our community towards trust helping each believer understand how to trust God which becomes our way of seeing and benefiting the world dun-dun-dun
0: yeah (laughs) so First place to start is just, uh, we're doing a little bit of Bible word study here, a little Mm -hmm. bit of Greek lessons for us. And uh, Noah introduced it already there in the definition. This is a fun Greek word, because it sounds like a bad word. (laughs) But the English pronunciation of this Greek word, he said it in the definition is pistis. Um, And uh, it is one of the most common words in the New Testament, especially. And it's used as a noun, as a verb, all the, you know, it's, it's, it's a big one. They care about (laughs) this one a lot. And, uh, as Noah said, it gets uh, translated a lot of different ways. It gets translated as faith. It gets translated as believe it gets translated as trusting. And it has all of these connotations with it, even including connotations of like allegiance to a king even, um, It's one of these words that, honestly, you could come up with like 12 English words to try to encapsulate what this one Greek Mm -hmm. word means. And in the Greek culture, they would have used it in a lot of various different ways. The reason we think it's important to do this word study, uh, we're just Bible nerds and we (laughs) like that to a certain extent. But the other reason that we really feel like this is an important thing for um all of us to understand about this word is that if you've ever grown up in the church or if you've ever had any connection with the church you probably heard john three sixteen, <laughs> and you know that that's like the 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 slogan of evangelical christianity in america you know there's a was it tim tebow was it the the <laughs> football player guy used to put like 316 yes. on his like mm. eye black and under his eyes. And that was like a big thing. Everybody was like, 316, you know? And mm-hmm. um, after he like would play these big football games, people Googling John 316 would like go through the roof. So it's a really big and important verse for a lot of us. And I think rightly so. I think it is central <laughs> to the good news of the gospel in a lot of ways. But, um the English translations use the word believe, which I don't think is a bad translation. I actually do think that that is a valid way to translate the word pistis, but I think it's only part of the story. Mm. I don't think you were, were actually getting the kind of like full context of what that uh, word particularly meant. Um, and I, I think I've thought I've realized this for a lot of reasons. Uh, one, there's another verse that uses uh, pistis. It's a very um, difficult verse to understand. Uh, Well, while you
1: look that up, I think what I would say too real quick is that uh, I think one of the reasons we find belief to be uh, difficult is that uh, oftentimes when I think of the word belief, I just think about a head knowledge kind of belief, right? Like Mm -hmm. to believe means to like have like a head knowing of something that is true. That's usually what I think of with the term belief, right? It's just a a head uh, that has learned a fact about the universe um, and said, I believe this is true. So I believe the sun is a ball of gas, right? Right. Um, And... Me believing that basically just translates as I know or I have a head knowledge of the fact that the sun is a ball of gas. That's generally how we use it in English, mm-hmm. which is kind of not really helpful right. for what pistis really means. Right.
0: Yeah. The verse I was thinking of was uh, in James. Uh, James, is, if you know, is a book that is actually wrestling with this idea almost completely. That's like the whole idea of the book of James is like what does it mean to have faith <laughs> to believe and uh there's this interesting verse where he says uh James says um, you believe that there is one god good even the deems, demons demons yeah. believe that <laughs> and shudder <laughs> um and uh the word there is pistu pistuo part of these this pistis word family group and um you know that's why i i do think believe is a good word mm. you know yeah. but james is saying you know what it means to believe in the way that jesus is saying in john 3:16 obviously has to be more than just yeah i know that god mm-hmm. exists or i know that you know cuz he's like the demons know that too yeah. like okay. they <laughs> uh and 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 what jesus is calling us to as christians is is not just to like in our head be like okay yeah yeah i believe that yeah Mm -hmm. um but it is uh got more layers to it and that like i said i think that's only a part of what that word means
2: yeah that was actually really good to bring up i guess hearing that kind of reminds me because i completely forgot about that verse i was like yeah he does say that but i guess it kind of reminds me of the fact that it's not enough to believe like there's like some type of action that you're supposed to take because you have this conviction Mm -hmm. so you can't just say i believe it it's like okay now you believe it what are you going to do about it now yep
0: (laughs) my dad used to give a really good uh example of this that is um one that you've probably heard preachers give a million times. I know it's not original. My dad, he's not this creative It is something he got for somebody else. But, um, the, uh, example he used to give was of a chair and he said, um, let's say you pull a chair out and you ask everybody in the room, do you believe that this chair is going to hold up your weight? Mm-hmm. You know, um, if the chair looks sturdy, if you like look at the little tag on the back and you see the weight limit and you know, everything else like that, you might be like, yeah, I think, believe that chair will hold me up he says that's great now sit in it (laughs) what and if you do not want to sit in the chair then that reluctance to take action proves that i don't know if you actually do believe it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but when you sit in the chair is when you are proving that you do believe it's going to hold your weight up and that's why we've been leaning more towards the word trust Mm -hmm. um because I do think that's also a valid translation of pistis. And trust, to me at least, has more of a connotation of like leaning into it, mm-hmm. holding on to it, having some action mm-hmm. uh, involved in the belief, you know, and really having that belief proved yeah. uh, to be true.
2: That actually reminds me of something I was studying for one of my my classes, one for Chase, for hermeneutics. And so I was looking at the baptism of Christ and like the emphasis that John is always putting on the repentance to the baptism and how the Pharisees and Sadducees are coming maybe to criticize, but also maybe like wanting to be baptized, but not wanting to actually change anything. Mm -hmm. And so it was like the idea that you want to get washed with this water, but you don't want to actually change your actions. And it's Mm -hmm. like, what is the, what's the point of you being washed with this if you're not going to change anything? Mm -hmm. And so like, it's this, this idea that if you're saying that you believe in this, then your actions need to line up with that. Because if it doesn't, then you're not producing the fruit you need to produce. Right.
0: And it's not, and, and you know, it's kind of one of those like chicken and the egg things where it's really hard to be like, which comes first one or the Mm -hmm. other. And I don't know that it's our job to parse that out, parse that out. Mm -hmm but nobody can deny if you're not actually doing the things then that probably means you don't actually believe <laughs> mm-hmm. um and so uh the two kind of go hand in hand which is why in that second sentence we said that we think that this requires action of some sort and it's not just like a yes i believe we're good mm-hmm. And again if you want more on this just go read the book of james that's what he's all about <laughs> you have to have uh action and works uh because otherwise your pistis is dead that's what he says um but this other part of that second sentence is one that has only recently been super super important to me which is that i like the word trust because it also includes within it this um, relational component. Mm-hmm. um you have to trust in something. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, You know, um, the the reality is that we are trusting in God. We're trusting that God has promised to do things and Mm -hmm. he's going to follow through on his promises and that he's going to keep his word (laughs) and that who he is, is who we have gotten to know relationally. We have a relationship with him. And because we have a relationship with him, we know we can trust mm-hmm. him. Um, and that's my problem sometimes with the way we tend to use believe is because it's it just it almost makes God as like this object. You just have to believe he exists mm-hmm. and it doesn't matter whether you have a relationship with him or not.
1: Yeah. Um, I think the way that I was brought up to talk about belief was as long as you believe that an event happened on the cross 2000 years ago. That uh, made your sin go away. Um, you were good. Yeah, like that was kind of the.
0: You had to like, you had to like check mark the box saying yes. I believe mm-hmm. that this event where the Son of God died mm-hmm. for my sins happened. Yeah, I believe that. Mm-hmm. You're good. You got yeah. your.
3: You got your ticket you know, it was an event that happened mm-hmm. yeah. and I'm good. I can get
1: on the train and get to heaven. Right. Yeah. I think the way that you've been talking about it, and we could probably go in even further into this is that, uh, I was not taught to ask the question, well, why is he doing this? Why is God doing it this way? Uh, what does that mean about God's character that he would do it this way? Mm-hmm. What is that saying about, uh, who he is trying to fix the world through this method you know Mm -hmm. like and how i should think about um god attempting something so uh traumatic on his own son Mm -hmm. and how i should think about that in relationship to me basically and so i think i think that that's kind of where Uh i was not really taught as a young person in in church is to really contemplate god as a person mm-hmm. doing those things and a person that has emotions and feelings right. and loves and mm-hmm. hatreds and things
0: yeah um the The point we made when we were having our meeting discussing what we wanted to say in this podcast was that or the point I made was that uh this is really the central question in the whole Bible. Not just in John three sixteen, not just in the New Testament, not just in that Hebrews passage. But if you really look at every story in the Bible, this is the question that keeps coming up over and over and over again. Do you trust God? Mm-hmm. You know, Adam and Eve get the option of either trusting God that he's going to do what he says he's going to do. Or they can listen to the lies of the serpent who says, hey, you don't need God take this, you will know for yourself what you need, what you can do one way or another. Abraham has the temptation to either trust that God's going to fulfill his promise and give him the son that he promised or to take things into his own hands. And he gets that lesson super wrong the first time. (laughs) And we see all of the bad that comes out of that. But eventually he does learn to trust God to the point that even when God asks him to uh, sacrifice that son that was promised, he follows through because he trusts God so much. And over and over and over again, you know, we can go through a million more examples. It just continues to come up. And I would encourage you, ask yourself what what's the trust question in every Bible story? And I think you would be surprised how this is like the thing that every single Bible story keeps coming back to in so many ways. There's some component of do you trust God or not mm-hmm. throughout the whole Bible. And the reason that's important is because, going back to what you said, Noah, for a lot of us, it's just a matter of, like, do you believe that the crucifixion happened and mm-hmm. that Jesus was the Son of God? And obviously, those are really important. I, don't misunderstand me. You can't be a Christian unless you believe those things. Yeah. but We believe they happened. Yes. You do have to believe they happened. And there's lots of good evidence to believe they happened. So that's a conversation for another day. Yeah. But the... Um, the, the, the real question is, why did they have to happen? Mm-hmm. And this is where uh, Jacob actually touched on this in his sermon a few weeks ago, because the temptation is to ask, mm-hmm. is God going to keep his promises? Is he going to be faithful mm-hmm. to his promises? And I kind of stole the thun- spotlight and thunder afterwards, <laughs> after Jacob finished, because I got real excited about it doing my communion <laughs> meditation. Um But I've been really convinced of this, which is that the the crucifixion and what happened with Jesus is the ultimate proof that you can trust God. Mm -hmm. Um, Because in the crucifixion, you see God keeping all of his promises. Um, God had promised to uh, remake the world. He had promised to redeem human beings. He had promised to bless the world through Israel and through human beings. And over and over and over again, humans kept getting in the way. And God was so committed to keeping his promises. He was like, all right, listen, Mm -hmm. you got to do it right. You just got to do it yourself. (laughs) And so he came down as a man and kept his promises and our side of the bargain as well.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Well, and that's essentially what uh, the Romans 3 passage that I used Mm -hmm. in my sermon a few weeks ago is asking the question is god faithful and that's again the word pistis yeah um can we trust god yeah and paul's resounding answer is yes yep because look at how he's been faithful to his covenant Mm -hmm. since abraham Mm -hmm. he's kept his people all this time he can Mm -hmm. be trusted
0: yeah it's interesting because that honestly i think is a big Component of what Paul is doing in the book of Romans in general. Um, I think a lot of the Jews were Confused, you know, and they're like we thought God made all these promises to us And now it feels like he's just doing something different Mm -hmm. Has he just given up on us? Did he give up on his promises? And if you read you can see Paul being like no that's the exact opposite of what he did. He actually kept every single one of his promises mm-hmm. yeah. and Jesus is the ultimate way that he did that. Mm-hmm. So,
1: and I will say like, uh, because a lot of us don't know our old testaments very well, we miss a lot of the promises that the cross fulfills. Mm-hmm. Right. And, uh, like Ashley and I going through Isaiah, like every chapter, you know, this actually <laughs> like every chapter is filled with a promise about something in the future that's going to happen where like, something that is dead and decaying is going to be brought back to life Mm -hmm. and you know there's going to be punishment and judgment sure but there's also going to be this moment of uh reviving and revitalization of the people of israel and that he's going to work with this people and there is a huge tension in the entire old testament of it doesn't look like god fulfills his prophecies at the end of the book like if you finish the old testament you're kind of meant to ask that question Why, like, I thought you were going to do all this stuff because you promised it and none of it happens. There are literal psalms that actually accuse God of not following through with his promises. Psalm 89 is the most famous of these. Um, And having uh, that tension of trying to understand how God can be faithful and yet them not get to see these promises get fulfilled is sort of the point of the old Testament. I feel like Mm -hmm. that's kind of what you're meant to wrestle with. That's the point of Job. That's the point of uh, a lot of the wisdom books of scripture is to really uh, think and meditate on, how to trust god in spite of the fact that it might not look like things are happening right now mm-hmm. you know and that's where the new testament is good news in that you do get to finally get to see his plans and that's why ephesians is paul's like magnum opus of joy right mm-hmm. he's like finally the plan has been revealed after yeah. all of this time like all of this all of these books of like contemplating and not understanding God and what he's doing and trying to figure out now we can finally see the grand plan and scheme that he had from the very beginning and we get to revel in that and we get to see the outworkings of that and we're the blessed people that get to be the first people to share that good news to other people so i think that's i think that's what we miss if we don't have that old yep. testament context
0: yep and yeah. That's really good, no. I've never heard you say that in that exact point, but that totally makes a lot of sense. Just this um, joy. It, it helps us understand mm-hmm. why is Paul so stoked? And it's like, because yeah. read all of these books beforehand, everybody is left at the end being like, I, I don't know. Is God going to do what he promised he's going to do? Yeah. Did he ever actually, did he fail? Did he not do what he was going to do? And then now Paul's like, oh, we got, we got the whole picture now. We understand mm-hmm. what he's doing. And the point being, to that if you need proof that God's going to keep his promises, Jesus is the ultimate yeah. proof of that.
2: And I do think it's perfectly normal. And I'm pretty sure that Jacob already touched on this as well in his sermon. But, you know, it's perfectly normal to question God, especially when things don't go the way that you think they're going to go. And I think that the easiest example of that and the most devastating one is like death. Um, cause I had, um, some girls who went to abundant grace, their mother had been battling cancer for 10 years and she had a great attitude throughout the entire thing. Like people really commended her for how she handled her cancer very well. And then after this 10 years, it's like her, her cancer got more severe because it spread. And then Mm -hmm. they were in the hospital with her doing everything that they thought was right. Like they were holding like prayer mornings every, every morning, 5am asking people to pray. They were anointing her body with oil. They were Mm -hmm. speaking life over her. Like they were like really, really warning the spirit to keep her alive. And then she still passes away. Mm -hmm. And so you kind of ask yourself, well, I had faith, I was believing, I was being persistent, and we still didn't get what we wanted. Mm -hmm. Now, you kind of ask yourself, well, did God keep his promise in that situation? And you can look at it from different angles. Like, maybe Mm -hmm. he was giving her rest from the battle that she went through from 10 years, and maybe he's better with her than he is here, which I know people don't want to hear, but it's like after a 10-year battle, it's like, Maybe God was like, she really needs to rest, you Mm -hmm. know, from that. Or maybe it was another reason. I think maybe it's not clear to them now because it was very recent, especially because they lost their grandmother in the same year Mm -hmm. that they lost their mother and they were very close to their grandmother. And so it was like, you know, it was like this devastating thing. Like, why would God do that if I'm being faithful in my prayer and I'm doing everything right and I'm believing he's going to do this and he doesn't do it. Mm -hmm. And you're like, does God keep His? Did, how did God keep His promise in that situation? And you figured maybe He did, but maybe it's just in a way that I don't understand. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm.
0: And that's uh, a great point to bring up that this isn't just something that the Old Testament people of Israel had to suffer through, mm-hmm. and we're all good now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we have the same questions yeah. that they used yeah. to have, and I agree wholeheartedly, Ashley, that one of the worst things we can do sometimes is like bottle those frustrations up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that, was, and that was
3: also one of my points in my sermon. I pointed out that uh, several times in the Psalms we see raw emotions expressed towards God uh, because it doesn't do us very much good to pretend like we're good with God when we're actually mad because mm-hmm. he already knows that we're mad at him. <laughs> right. So we might as well just express them. Right. And the Psalms gives us example after example of someone just expressing themselves. And the way we can know God is still trustworthy is because he never left them, even though they expressed
1: doubt.
2: Yeah, it makes sense.
1: And I will say, like, we are just as much expecting a coming of Jesus as they were, right? We just have a second coming to expect. Mm -hmm. So in that sense, like, we just as much look at the sufferings that happen today and ask that question, where is God? the same way they did in the Old Testament and that's where you can relate to those Old Testament passages because it's not like our story is any different. The only thing that has changed is that Jesus has given us more hope and more assurance to trust Him than they ever had. That's the one thing we have up on them is that we have the first fruits of what God is ultimately going to do. right? And that's kind of the mm-hmm. whole point of John three sixteen, right? Is he's kind of the first fruit of that, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, I think that I think that that's what we—that's why trust is such a thing for a Christian, right? Is mm-hmm. we look at the past of the Old Testament and see that they had to have way more trust even than we do, mm-hmm. probably because they didn't have Jesus as an example. Yeah, we get a little bit easier on the trust point because we get to see all these claims about resurrection and new life and we get to see these moments where jesus actually does things that everybody had been hoping for for centuries and so we get to look at those and say yes the, those things happened and i know that eventually the whole world is going to be filled with that kind of thing and that's what i'm hoping for in the second coming right yeah. and that's the that that's i think how trust works for us today is that there's still mm-hmm. pockets of death as much as pockets of life, right? You know, the pockets of the world still being corrupted and falling and cancer and all of these different things. They're still here. It's not like Jesus wiped away everything on the cross right now, currently, but it's a promise that he will one day. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the, that's the point that we have to hit the trust button, so to Mm -hmm. speak.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. And I think it's also helpful to understand that Jesus does know how difficult it may be to do that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I've always been really encouraged by both uh, three different verses. There's the man who comes to Jesus and Jesus says, do you believe? And he says, I believe. Help my unbelief. Yeah, (laughs) It's such an honest thing of being like, it's a mixture right now, man. I I do believe. Mm -hmm. Help me with my unbelief. That one's always been a big comfort to me. The other has been um, Thomas, who has doubts about Jesus, even after he sees him resurrected and wants to see the nail marks in his hands. And I think it's important to realize that the kindness that Jesus shows, Jesus could have easily been like, come on, man, <laughs> you, you're good. You know, this is, you know, this is me. But Jesus is like, yeah, sure, here. Shows him the marks in his hands. And then there's a verse right after that that has always been very encouraging to me, too, where Jesus says, Because you have seen me, and he's talking to his disciples, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And, you know, there's these little few moments where you can really tell that Jesus is like looking forward and, and backward. And backward. And I've feel like he's talking to me in that moment in time. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't see Jesus with my physical eyes, <laughs> but, um, he, and I think he recognizes that it's, it's a little different, you know, it's a little mm-hmm. different what we are being asked to do. But ultimately that's why I am so thankful for the honesty of the entire Bible mm-hmm. and how you see people struggling with this. Mm-hmm. Cause you can tell God, he knows it's tough. Mm-hmm. He knows it's hard. But mm-hmm. the final challenge is still the same one that it always has been, which is uh, do you trust that God's going to do what he said he's yeah. going to do? Mm.
1: Now, you had a point that uh, I thought was really good at the end of our talk before we did this where you were talking about how trust trusting in God results in someone that benefits the world in some way. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe talk about some of your reasoning behind that, because I thought that was a really good point you brought up.
0: Mm-hmm. It's... Uh, he uh, John 3.16 is obviously the verse everybody talks about, about how to be saved, you know? How to go to heaven, how to like, mm-hmm. you know, not go to hell. <laughs> and so for most people, when you start talking about belief and trust and all these pistis words, uh, most people think that just is a... That's just a me and God thing. That's just between me and God. Mm-hmm. And so um, that's nice for you, but what does that mean for everybody else? And what does that mean for the world? And I think uh, the thing that you see you eat really throughout the whole Bible um, is that there it does help everybody else out. When you do learn to trust in God... Mm-hmm. It changes the way you see the world, mm-hmm. changes the way you see your life, and it changes the way you just value things in general. <laughs> and those changes that come from learning to trust in God make huge differences in the rest of the world. The um, biggest example I've always given of this has been a pretty common one that is um, a description of the uh, some of the early Christians um in this era kind of between the ancient roman era and the medieval era there was this in between time most people call it the byzantine era it's yeah. we're, we're not here for history <laughs> you guys can go look at that whole thing I love but his, during yeah. the during the byzantine <laughs> <laughs> but during the byzantine era um it was really common for the city for cities to have like grow really large but have these large walled in kind of fortresses surrounding the city to protect them from invaders and anything else. One of the negatives that happened with that is that anytime any sort of disease or, um, plague would enter that city, it would just spread like crazy Mm. (laughs) because the people were all really close together. And, um, that's relatable today. Yeah. Yeah. We're not super sanitary.
2: Exactly.
0: Um, uh, at the time, the uh, the the I don't know practice. The common practice at the time was that everyone who wasn't sick would leave the city, and you leave the sick people in the city to die. Oh, basically. wow! And you would leave for forty days, which is where they got the term quarantine. It was a quarter mm-hmm. forty cu- cuarto days from latin um and that was the that was just how they dealt with plagues the sick people you'd see a plague coming out leave the sick people to die leave if you get about 40 days they'll all die off the plague will die off and everyone can come back and be fine and uh and like i said that's where we get our term quarantine uh from um and uh that was just the practice for centuries really and the, what until the Christians came along. And then once Christians started growing in number and growing in a lot of these cities, Christians just felt like that was immoral to just leave these people to die. And all of the Christians were like, hey, look, I'm not, I don't care about this world. My trust is in God. My trust is in he's going to keep his promises. And I'm going to trust that God's going to do what I what he wants me to do. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of the Christians started just staying to care for the sick in the middle of these plagues Mm. while all the non-Christians would leave. The Christians would stay in the city and minister Mm -hmm. to the sick. And that's actually why you get so many Christian, you know, if you look at most hospitals are still like Christian, a lot of people credit that practice with like the beginnings of modern medicine Mm. because because they decided to stay and because they decided to try to help some of these people, they started figuring out ways to treat the diseases besides just leave the people to die. Mm -hmm. Um, Their lack of fear of dying because they trusted in God is what allowed them to stay. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them did die. But in the process, a lot of them were like, Hey, you know, if you give them this route, it helps with this thing that they have going on. Hey, if you have this infection and you, cut that part of the uh, skin off it keeps it from spreading whatever else might be but the only thing that allowed them to even take that chance Mm -hmm. was because their trust was in God and in what he was going to do
2: yeah and I actually liked that that part of that is that even hospitals now you think about like Saint Jude or Methodist Hospital or, or Baptist Hospital it's sort of like something that people did years ago is still having some type of effect mm-hmm. today. And I think that's kind of the thing that God wants, like he wants you to trust him enough that whatever it is that he's going to ask you to do, is not just going to be limited to this lifetime, but go beyond your lifetime Absolutely. and spread across generations. And so that's kind of the thing that the thing that he's asking you to do may be difficult, but it's bigger than Absolutely. yourself.
1: Mm-hmm. You know. And I will say like on the flip side of that, when you don't trust in God, you kind of act like a bull in a china shop, and sometimes people end up uh, getting uh, caught in that. Like I was thinking of the Abraham and Sarah story, where God promises them a child, and mm-hmm. they
0: they start to get worried. They're not trusting. Figure him. out
1: how that's going to happen, and so they're like, "Well, let's do this thing with our maidservant that we have here to get a child," and they cause so much harm mm-hmm. and destruction in that situation both to hagar and to her son and like basically because they didn't trust in god to do what he said he was going to do people got hurt yeah you know Mm -hmm. and so it it becomes it becomes that kind of thing where uh trusting in god is almost reducing your chances of people getting hurt around you you that's a good point yeah yeah because you don't really know that's great you know yeah yeah, go on sorry
3: what we put at the end of our of our description of trust helping each believer to understand how to trust god which becomes our way of seeing and benefiting the world Mm -hmm. um the idea that we're going to see the world differently Mm -hmm. and we can benefit the world um when we were talking about how we were going to word that i had read a c.s lewis quote that I think most of us just really love anyways. Um, So the quote says, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it, I see everything else. Mm. And it's this idea that through our trust in God, we see the world differently, Mm -hmm. just like those Christians back in the day when Mm -hmm. everybody else just saw death and horror. (laughs) Christians were like, no, this is an opportunity to yeah. love. Mm-hmm. This is an opportunity to show Christ to these people and do what I'm called to do and benefit the world in doing so. That's part of that uh, action we talked about earlier mm-hmm. that required action. Yep. If you. I trust God, but I'm not going to touch that sick person.
2: <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I guess I had a question, which I hope this doesn't sound like such an obvious answer, but if it does, it is what it is. <laughs> But I guess, do you all think from the perspective of how we as humans sometimes or we as Christians, actually, we are kind of afraid to put our full trust in God because maybe things won't work out the way that we want. Do you ever think that on the opposite, that God also has that experience, not the fear so much, but that God puts a level of trust in us and we don't always meet his expectations?
0: Mm-hmm. That's a that's a interesting question. <laughs> uh there's all kinds of like theology behind that about like, do you believe that God knows everything slash do you believe that God causes everything? And, um,
1: yeah. Cause there's a, there's kind of an assumed question in there is for God to trust in someone, uh, he would not have to know what you were going to do. Right. You know?
2: Yeah. I thought about that too, but I guess it's the idea that, you know, I personally, you know, I don't have any, solid evidence to think that god doesn't know things ahead of time but i guess you wonder well you know why does god feel so heartbroken or so angry when things don't work out the way that he wants it mm-hmm. even though he is god you know because there's no like, evidence of that like uh, the israelites being the easiest example like how they're constantly disobedient um also like at the beginning of creation where he looks out and he sees all the unrighteous on the earth and he basically like repents creating them and he's mm-hmm. like mourning in his spirit over it so mm-hmm. I don't know. I guess it's just an interesting thought I had. I, don't know. I do is, think yeah.
0: I I I do think that God obviously from the beginning desires to do His work through humans because
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know God could easily just do everything He wants to do, Just right. Snap exactly. His fingers, and make it happen. But what you can clearly see from the Bible is that He, what He wants is He wants humans to be a part of the process mm-hmm. from the very beginning, exactly. And I think you're right. That's why He is so distraught. When the humans that he wants to work with <laughs> drop the ball, yeah, um I think one verse that's similar to, uh, that is about that concept that I've always thought of is um in Esther in mm. the book of Esther, mm-hmm. when Mordecai is trying to motivate Esther to uh do this very scary thing, and he said, "Do not think that because you're in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape." For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. And I think there's two truths in there. One, um, God puts you in places to do specific things. He's Mm -hmm. got plans. And obviously, Mordecai believed that God put Esther here Mm -hmm. because he had a plan. Mordecai's not really super worried that if Esther doesn't do it, God's plan's gonna fail all of a sudden because he's like, eh, "God's gonna bring somebody else yeah. along to do it." Mm-hmm. But maybe God put you right here, right now, because He has something in plan in mind for you to do. So, I do think uh, that God has plans for us and wants us to be able to fulfill those plans. You know, and. I think one of the most exciting things is that when you are, it's, I like the thing you were saying Noah about how it kind of cuts both ways. Mm -hmm. When you do trust in God, all of this good comes out of it. Mm -hmm. When you don't trust in God, all of this bad comes out of it for generations Mm -hmm. afterwards, Mm -hmm. even. Um, And uh, I think it's really motivating to just think about anytime you've felt like you've heard the voice of God telling you to do something Mm -hmm. and then you do it, that's one of the best feelings in the world, Yeah, you know, even if it's terrifying, even if it's scary, when you see the results of what God had planned for it, when he allows you to see what comes from it, like, okay, this is great. The, uh, the example I've always used, which I know the three of y'all won't care about because it's a basketball example, (laughs) but maybe somebody (laughs) listening will, (laughs) (laughs) you guys have heard me say this before, but. Uh, ever since me and Adrian started dating, I've been a big Grizzlies fan. And for the first few years of the Grizzlies, uh, the front office was awful. They kept drafting new players who were horrible. They would play like a year and then they would be in like Turkey somewhere playing basketball, you know, like mm-hmm. out of the NBA completely. Um, and on top of that, uh, between injuries and just everything else, they were just fumbling the bag, as mm-hmm. a friend of mine used, likes to say, uh, in, in in every possible way. And I remember when the general manager and a couple members of that front office got fired, it was like the greatest day ever for me. I was just like, thank you. We finally can get somebody else in here who knows what they're doing. And they hired this new general manager. His name is Zach Kleinman. All the Grizzlies fans right now call him King Kleinman, which is really interesting because this dude has been killing it every single guy they've drafted is incredible like all 15 players are the team are like amazing mm-hmm. right now none of them suck and uh, the the team has been like perfectly built they like win all their trades and they're currently on track to be like possibly the best team in the NBA this season. And it's been the funniest thing because I had nothing to do with that. Like I made no decisions Mm. at all one way or another. I'm just along for the ride as a Grizzlies fan. But to me, it has been such an encapsulation of what it is like to be follower of Jesus. Mm. It's like you don't have to worry that you've got some horrible, incompetent general manager who does not understand what he's doing in charge. Um, And we've been doing this series on the book of Revelation for a podcast that's going to come out soon. Uh, just a little teaser there. It's called Unfolding Revelation. Ooh. There's going to be episode, first four episodes will be out soon. Um, and I think that's one of the things that the book of Revelation is supposed to encourage you about. It's like, hey, you, you're you on the winning team. Uh, yeah. We already know how this is going to end up. And mm-hmm. that's a pretty great place to be in. Mm. You guys have any parting thoughts?
2: Yeah, I guess when you talked about the winning team, that reminds me of this verse I don't know what book it comes from because it's been a long time since I read it but it said something on the lines about how like Satan is angry because he knows his time is short Mm. and it's like the idea that even Satan himself knows he's going to lose so it's like Mm. you know why are you worried but then at the same time I know Well, myself, when I think about things that God wants me to do, I know the first thing that I tend to do, and other people may do this too, is that I have a series of things in my mind about why I can't do this and how it's going to turn out badly if I do this. Like, it's just not going to work out. And I think God has had to tell me several times, like, you just have to trust me that if you get into trouble, that I'm going to rescue you Mm -hmm. from the trouble you're going to get into. Because I feel like it's just really easy to formulate all these things in your mind that are going to go wrong. And they're like, I can't do this. I can't do that. It's just easier if I do nothing or it's easier if I do this. And God, is just like, if you do this and you get into trouble, I will rescue you out of it. And so mm. it's just like that emphasis of like, you're already saved. You don't you're have good. to worry about it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It is very calming and it, it, it it's, it's, it's a really uh, relaxing place to be in this last Sunday. I did a, meditation through the book through Psalm 131 which has this really powerful description at the end of being content with God like mm-hmm. a weaned child mm-hmm. and i loved one of the descriptions the guy in the podcast we were listening to said where he said if you've ever seen a baby after they like drink their milk they look like drugged almost uh my uh sister-in-law calls it milk drunk <laughs> cuz they're just like passed out <laughs> It's pre- it seems great. That's always the thing. Like we always say, we're like, man, I wish I could be like that. He looks <laughs> like he's loving life right now. Right. And the thing that David is saying in that Psalm is you are like that. <laughs> you trust in God. And that is yeah. the best place to be in. So I think I want to end with this. I don't know who's listening to this. If you have never actually had that opportunity to put your trust in God, I take it from everybody sitting around this table here the best decision you could ever possibly make and i encourage you don't don't wait yeah make that decision right now decide that you're going to trust in god reach out to us we'd love to talk to you more about it um you know jesus is the best person that you could possibly trust he's not going to let you down amen so that's the last of our core values yeah we are um I'm not, I'm not going to do any teaser for next week because I don't know what we're going to
2: do next <laughs> week. It's a teaser even to us. It's we don't a, even, under, we you, don't even guys, understand. We don't even understand.
0: <laughs> you guys are going to have to tune in and see. So whatever it is that we're talking about next week, we will see you all then. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Right, bye. bye. bye.